With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you. 
and blessings. Good evening on this terrific tantalizing Tuesday. And yes, you are now tuned in to the Exceptional Scribble Show. I am your host, Sage. For those all the way in the back of the room, Sage. For those all the way up in the nosebleed section, Sage. All right. I think everybody knows. Now that they're tuned in to the right. Well, <laughs> so tonight is episode 350. Yes, yes, yes. And the Exceptional Scribble Show was on a sabbatical. We have just come off our sabbatical. We are back and we are ready for you, ladies and gentlemen, we came back just for you, refreshed, renewed, healed well, and we're hoping to send out that same energy your way tonight. And we have a treat this evening. We have a treat for tonight. We are honored to have with us a literary artist meaning one who is a creative mind artist who writes. And this particular creative mind artist, he's not, quote unquote, a poet, but he has written screen plays, which have been converted into movies. And he has an awesome book entitled The Gravity Box, which we will be discussing on tonight. And we'll also discuss his artistry in full, because as I have aforementioned, he is a screenwriter, a screenwriter who has written screen writings that have been converted into movies. So we definitely want to hear more about that. Also, his works, they, they did merit awards. His works as for the films that are produced. And he is an indie or independent in terms of the filmmaking. And he also does, I believe he either formerly was a part of Lucky film productions, or it may be a current um, label that he is under, but we'll find out all that detailed information during the interview. So ladies and gentlemen, for tonight, which is Tuesday, June the 15th, it gives me great pleasure to introduce to some, to present to all, the exclusive interview hour starting now. And we run this for a full hour. Normally we start 8 o'clock and 9 p.m. We may end at 9.08 tonight because we did have a little delay as for the actual recording launch. But no scruples, okay? Nothing prevented this 
launch for tonight's show's recording. And we are honored. Yes, honored that the heavens have smiled upon this tonight. So the exclusive interview hour now begins. I am delighted to have in the spotlight Norman Manchera. We will discuss his authorship entitled The Gravity Box. The genre is science fiction. It is a science fiction novel. Now I'm going to share with you a book review comment. And this book review comment is about, is from, I'm sorry, is from or by the film composer named Michael Perelstein. Or Steen, I'm sorry, Michael Perelstein. Perelstein. And here are his comments. The Gravity Box is the most exciting and thrilling creative piece of fiction I have read in decades. The author will surprise you with twists and turns that you will not expect. It is a most creative effort that will appeal to the fantasy thrill seeker in all of us. So ladies and gentlemen, Tonight, you are in for a pleasant surprise. For those who are tuned in via the internet, and if you would like to call in, I'm going to share the call-in instructions now. You need to dial 867-292-3066. I repeat, 867-292-3066. 8672923066 and our show ID this is very key and important it doesn't matter whether you call in or you go to www.talkshoe.com you must provide the show ID number it is a six digit number 133193 i repeat 1331 And there is a PIN number, okay? Once you have called in, listen for the voice prompts, okay? Listen for the voice prompts. You will be asked for the show's ID number. It's a six-digit number, 133193. Then you will be asked for the PIN number. The PIN number is, you simply press 1 on your telephone keypad, press one, and then press the pound key. That's it. After which, you will hear a voice say that your mic is unmuted. You may now join the call. That means you are connected. Please, as a show of respect, give me the distinct pleasure of acknowledging you as a caller. I will announce what your number is. That's how you are shown on the switchboard. Okay, when I look at the switchboard, it shows your number. Unless you're registered and you have an account with TalkShoot, it will show me your number. So I can say your number and invite you to speak. Give me that distinct pleasure, please. After which, you are welcome. The mic, when I say the mic is now in your hands, That means you are now welcome and invited to speak. Just keep in mind, whatever noises are in your 
background. They can then be heard by everyone. The moment you are connected, your microphone is going to tell us what your background consists of. We're going to get it. We're going to hear the background noise. If you are not in a soundproof room or a room with minimum sound, then I ask that you will vacate to that room now if you know you're going to call in, okay? Otherwise, just join us in the chat room. Join us online, www.talkshoe.com. Look for the search engine bar. Once TalkShoe's homepage shows up on your screen, once it is loaded up, look for the search engine bar. Type in our show's ID number, which is a six-digit number, 133-193, after which you can then join us. Just be polite, wait until you are invited to speak, and then speak. That is so we give our listeners, our listening audience, the best quality in sound that we can offer because this is a live stream audio link. At this time, I will be reading the bio of Norman May Chara. Norman Machera, and it reads, wanting to act and create since early childhood, Norman was so fortunate in having a mother who supported those dreams. From early on, Norman was writing stories and even short plays with one of the typewriters that his mom, Cass Machera, had purchased for him. Once he had a camera in his hands, there was no turning back. Norman took every opportunity to direct and shoot short films with friends and neighbors. Much of that footage will be utilized in his upcoming series, The Serial Killer's Handbook. So much of that footage is going to be utilized in film, in that film, The Serial Killer's Handbook, which is a found footage mockumentary, not documentary. Note that, please. Mockumentary. And being produced in collaboration with Letter 8 Media and Rebel Production Associates, both film companies out of New Jersey. Early on, Norman studied acting at the Philadelphia Drama Workshop Studio. Later, he traveled to New York City to study with Lee Strasberg at the Strasberg Institute and took what he learned there to stage and screen. Studying martial arts, at a young age, Norman was able to create wild action scenes with his friends. As with his martial arts training, Norman never forgets to give back and help struggling actors by teaching them his craft and filling out the cast of his independent films he has directed with roles written by him specifically for those students. That is amazing. Yet another facet of Norman's personality and action is the written word, 
He has a stack of screenplays that are evidence of his ability to slip in and out of the characters he writes about fluidly. Norman often converts these screenplays to independent film and videos, but has occasionally sold to third parties, i.e. Willie Nelson, yes, the famous country music artist, ladies and gentlemen, country music artist who is a, an, an award-winning country music artist, Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson purchased his script, Diamonds in the Rough. Later, Norman directed two music videos for Mr. Wolf, Willie, I'm sorry, Mr. Willie Nelson. Another project, Slipping into Darkness, was a political thriller co-authored with Mark Single, the former lieutenant governor and attorney general of Pennsylvania. Norman's most recent work, The Gravity Box and The Gravity Box 2, are science fiction novels directed at children in their early teens and is part of a proposed series of books using the same characters. At present, he is working on A Rotten Christmas, a children's storybook with good friends, I'm sorry, with good friend and collaborator Hector J. Ortega a play that Norman wrote sometime back, Heaven in Chains, is presently being readied for the stage by another good friend, Dave D. Pietro, and produced by his company, Real, R-E-E-L, Cool Entertainment. That concludes the bio of Norman Machera, ladies and gentlemen. Now, at this moment, I am turning, I'm sorry, I am rolling the red carpet. I always do that first, rolling the red carpet. And next, I am turning the spotlight on to our special guest for tonight. And again, <clears throat> we are honored to have with us Norman <coughs> Machera. Before I begin this interview, and before we get started with the interview, we're going to take another music break. <laughs> and for those that are wondering, you are listening to a recording or a recorded collection of music. The song that you heard at the beginning of the program is entitled, I Feel Good. And you will hear another song. The next song is all instrumental. And we're gonna listen to that briefly for about three minutes, and then we'll get started with the interview. That the music is by an indie or independent artist. The name is Doreen Rose. She is also a certified vibrational sound technician, a certified vibrational sound technician. So she's more than just a musical artist. She literally has the knack of healing people using sounds 
<clears throat> using what's, what are called crystal singing bowls and, and Himalayan singing bowls. <clears throat> and we will have her on our show in upcoming weeks. She will be a special guest in the spotlight. But for tonight, I just want you to get a taste of her music. So hear and enjoy. <clears throat> Thank you. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, now without any further ado, I am introducing to everyone our special guest in the spotlight, Norman Machera. Good Hi. evening. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes, it is indeed a pleasure and it is a honor to have you on. I know we discussed having you on for some time and it just seemed like um, we wanted to do it a lot sooner, but today was the day, right? <laughs> yes, thank you very much. Yes, thank you very much. Yes, yeah, so we'll start off by having you give a little background information on how you got started on this path of writing and being a creative mind artist. Uh, you can start by sharing how young you were when you wrote maybe your first play, short story, or maybe it was a play or a short story that you were um, made acquainted with that kind of sparked the interest in you to do the work that you do now. So feel free to share the story. And we are all ears. We're listeners. Thank you. The mic is now in your hands. Thank you, Sage. Uh, as a, a child, I just always create. Uh, I mean, it was they came from lying people. When I was fibbing, I was always fibbing, stuff like that. I write stories, and uh, I just wanted to write. And my mom, she went out and bought me a typewriter so I could start doing that, and uh, I just just started making. I got a camera, and I wanted to go out and. I wanted to shoot everything in sight. I'd make up scenes. And I, you know, I never had a real life, but this. Uh. <laughs> so that's kind of, kind of how I got started. I just always just wanted to make up stuff. I was always writing and plays. Even in, even in elementary school, I remember uh, the teacher told the entire class one time, you can have art or you can have written expression. And this is about the fifth grade. And I wasn't much of an oh, artist. Okay. And I and everybody's saying art, 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 because they just wanted to draw. And they, and the teacher got a little upset about it. He said, if anybody else says art, we're going to do written expression. So I said art because I just wanted to write. And they were all mad at me, so I don't care. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you seem like you also are somewhat a comedian how much of comedy is in your work, how much you incorporate comedy into what you write and well, even with the acting? Well, I make a lot of, like I've made horror films, but they're mostly dark comedies. They're not really horror films. They're like, <clears throat> use horror as a way to, to bring the comedy in. And uh, ah. that's kind of... Um, that's what I like. I just, I really like dark comedy. In fact, the Serial Killers Handbook, which we're working on with uh, Letter 8 and Rebel Productions, they, this is a dark comedy. It's not, you know, it's just, it's not a really, it's not really a, a horror film or a story. So. Oh. 
Okay. Now, as for dark comedy, could you kind of define what that means? There may be some listeners that aren't aware. Well, it's just basically, it's taking something really dark and kind of poking fun at it. Like uh, the film we made, Lunacidal, was, I got the idea, I watched an interview about a serial killer. And he was saying, well, everybody kind of likes me. I thought, and that's how I get over on them. And I thought that was absolutely terrifying. So I came up with a story about a guy that the neighbors absolutely loved. And he was like, he was the most insane person you ever want to meet. But for some reason, they, they liked him. And that was kind of the comedy of it. It didn't matter what he did. Oh, he's, you know, that type of thing. So, so. Ah, Okay. Thank you. Thank you for giving us definition, what dark comedy means, and also for giving us background as to how you got started. I noticed when reading your bio <clears throat> that it made mention that your mother was supporting you. She was very supportive from the beginning. Um, would you like to elaborate on that? Oh, yes. Yes, she was wonderful. I mean, uh, the thing was, my mom always wanted to act and um, she had a chance when she was very young for a screen test and her mother was a little concerned <laughs> to go and her whole life she was just she was just kind of resented the fact that she didn't get that that chance so when I came along with my craziness she just backed it all she was just <laughs> she was she was just Whatever, I mean, well, I'm real little, I had cameras. I mean, I had cameras, I had uh, tape recorders, I had, um, I'm a kid. I have I have uh, typewriters, and she just, you know, you want to create, go out and create, you know? That's how she was. And then I was lucky enough, we, we moved to uh, Southwest Philly. Well, we lived in Southwest Philly, but we moved to a neighborhood around Cobbs Creek Parkway. And it, it just seems like I've been mm -hmm. blessed. The whole, the whole neighborhood backed me in whatever crazy... I, they helped me stage scenes. Uh, they acted in my films. And a lot of that stuff actually is going into serial killers. They had... Uh, yeah. One day, we were shooting a scene in the street. I had, like, the neighbors out. And they weren't just kids. They were, like, the older people, the the neighbor, regular neighbors, and uh, and the police came because somebody thought there was something really going on. I had this girl bleeding in the street, and the neighbors talked the police into helping with the movie, and they actually did. It's in. It's going to be in serial killers. <laughs> it's uh, it's amazing. I was so blessed my whole life with my mom, the neighbor we lived in, uh, my best buddy Dennis. He. He was, uh, he came along and uh, we just collaborated on everything and whatever craziness I came up with or he came up with, we would just support each other. Awesome, yeah. awesome. It's so important. I'm always telling the artists um, on this show, I'm always sharing with the listening audience and, and specifically targeting artists that are listeners, uh, reminding them of the importance of collaboration. 
and how when artists unite, um, that enables them to work at a faster pace. And also one can be the eyes for the other, what the other doesn't see, the other artists will. So it's like iron sharpening iron. You know, a lot of times projects are um, better completed that way because two heads are better than one. And I just think that there's strength in, in numbers. And so when we can collaborate as artists, I think we fare well, especially as indie or independent artists. You know, we can be each other's support and help each other in so many ways. So when I read your bio and saw how it spoke on how you collab with, I think it was, was it Hector Ortega? I, yes, Mr. Ortega, yes. Yeah, um, that really stood out with me because I'm always preaching to the choir <laughs> in a sense saying that to artists that, you know, we need to collaborate more. You know, we collaborate more, share, sharing is caring and we can better support each other and you know whatever projects are kind of like on the shelf sometimes that um shelf life is not as long because you have a partner somebody working with you to support you so you know i do want to commend you on that that you are a living example um you definitely affirm that as for living proof that it works and hopefully our, our listening audience, those that are tuned in tonight, will take your lead, you know, your example by leading um, and do, the, do that same thing so that they can finish some unfinished uh, projects. Now, as for screenwriting and film producing, um, what age were you when you actually started um, doing that um, seriously or diligently? Um, I'm trying to think. I was, I was still pretty young. Um, I remember, like, like I said, I had the camera and I would go around and start mm -hmm. shooting everything that was going on. I remember going up uh, to Woodland Avenue. There was, a, there, was a, there was some type of demonstration outside the police station. So I took a camera up and shot it. And there were like 100 people out there. I just shot it and I brought it back and I used it in a movie I was I was making called The Walls of Death, which was like a Super 8 film. I'm doing all this stuff that for Super 8 films I'm showing in my basement. But I'm, I'm but it, it looked incredible. It just it just looked incredible. It's like I had hundred extras for my project. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> about ten years ago, I'm looking at this stuff and I'm thinking, well, this is nice. I, I can look at it every couple of years, and I thought wait a second, this, this thing should have a life. And I, I thought about making the serial killer's handbook. I had, had uh, 50 years of footage around that. Um, well, now I have 50 years. And then I started making characters. And it was my friend Dennis, my co-conspirator in a lot of these things. Um, we were going to be partners in crime. Like we were going to be the serial killers. I said, uh, uh, you know, like we should make this serious or it looks so real. 
And he said, well, we're good at comedy. So he turned it into a comedy. And it's, I think it's really, it's really something that's never been done before. And, uh, yes. And, uh, you know, we're, we're pushing it now, like Leather 8 and uh, Rebel Productions, we're going to push it now. And uh, there's some people interested in it because I think it's the fact is it's never been done before. And, yeah. And I've had people look at the footage thinking like, I had one guy ask me, this is one of, he says, please tell me I'm not watching a snuff film. Because it looks so real, and it looks so real because I was handing everybody the camera. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing, so it looks like some crazy guys taking pictures. <laughs> <laughs> That's humorous hearing you saying that. <laughs> well, I tell you, um, it sounds to me like as for the artistry, um, the undertones of your work would be making whatever the product is or your theme mm -hmm. and if it's dark comedy as for your project theme making it appear in the most realistic manner like that must be like one of your standards as for creating film and producing film or just acting is just bringing the realism to the forefront and so in a very bold manner. Um, do you find any challenges in trying to accomplish that? Um, yes, yeah, sometimes. Like I said, we're, we're making it as a comedy, but, but what gives it the realistic look is all the old footage. But uh, mm. when we shoot the whole idea is that we're telling the story from now. So it, it's great because this this project uses so many, so many formats. Like I was shooting in Super 8 film. And then uh, we shot in uh, Super 8 video. Then we shot on someone 16. We even have some 35 shots. And then when we get to the present time, with the, we shoot at the studio, it goes into this other world that's all shot in 4K. So it's like it's like you're traveling through time with this project. You're actually moving through time as you move through this project. Wow. Now that's that's really intriguing. Well, thank you. Like I said, we work very hard on it. In fact, there's one actor. Uh, his name is Mike Letizia. He's uh, <coughs> he. When we first started the idea of the serial killers, we, we shot something with him. That was 10 years ago. Now he became like a running character. Mm -hmm. The one guy that got away from the serial killers. And it's like, it's kind of his job to to get back at them. And uh, oh, yeah, okay. on him, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, it's it's a lot. And I'm, the way that you're describing the uh, details of the craft and the artistry of creating film 
it's it's a lot involved it's a lot involved and it's not something you just kind of throw together it sounds like you know like you said 10 years ago this was done and this was done and and now the product is 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 finished pretty much um can you share with our listening audience how they should kind of devise a timeline because i think when it comes to finishing projects a lot of people start them but they don't always find they're finishing them and then they move on to something different but a lot of times they never even consider should i create a timeline for this project now well, what are your thoughts on doing that mm-hmm. well the thing was this this project actually became a long-term project after I realized I had all this footage and what I could do with it. It wasn't, uh, oh, okay. it, it wasn't like I, I planned to make this for 50 years. Although somebody said subconsciously, I may have been planning it for 50 years. So who knows? But, uh, yeah. I looked at all this old footage and I just thought how wonderful these people are that, that helped me do this. And I, I thought this should live on. This should actually live on. And mm-hmm. anyway, was to come up with a format to present it all. And that's why it, mm. it, it, I didn't actually, I don't think I actually planned to shoot this for 50 years, but who knows, maybe I did. <laughs> right, um, subconsciously, right? <laughs> and uh, that's, that's kind of how that came about. It was just like, it was just like, Again, I just love shooting stuff, and I took every opportunity. And fortunately, again, I was blessed. I had the neighbors. I had my, my, my mom back in the, uh, and then my my buddy Dan, who was who was like a major influence. He would always come up with crazy stuff. I mean, a lot of times I like you say about collaboration. A lot of times he'd say stuff I don't know, right? And then, and then we'd go do it, and it turned out wonderful. You know, I was just being like, I was just, wasn't getting it. And I saw it and it was like wonderful. So mm. that's how that came about. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing. And thanks so much for taking your time and elaborating the, the, the details that you provide. I hope I helped. Um, <laughs> now let's. Yeah, now let's shift gears and focus on um, the gravity box. You want to spend the rest of the time and focus on that. Um, What would you like to tell us at first about the book as far as how you came about with deciding on what the title would be and also, was this book originally written having the two main characters' children, as in teenagers, or yeah. was this, you know, just something that kind of evolved? Uh, I don't think it actually evolved. I actually wrote it in 1986, and I, again, it was just like, this was a major problem. I, I would just move on from projects, and I never, 
I never spent, I just, I just kept wanting to make stuff. And then I thought, you know, about a year or two back, I came up with this. I said, well, you know, I got this novel. I should put it out there. And I had, I actually written, had written a sequel to it. And I said, I should just put it out there. And I was, mm-hmm. I was just like, it was always supposed to be that those two kids, I actually named them after my two friends, uh, Sean and Jimmy. And I just made it about okay. them. And, uh, and then I was so lucky. I, I met uh, Hector and and he did this incredible artwork and and he did this incredible artwork for the second one which will be coming out soon and it mm-hmm. it just it just flew he I mean I was just so lucky because I found him and uh, and I I used all his talent <laughs> I just went to, and he's amazing and uh, and then he came up with an idea that we should work together, collaborate on something. And that's how we came up with the children's book. It's called The Rotten Christmas, which is going to be coming out soon. And he's doing all this really artwork for it. And uh, yeah, so I mean, the, but the Gravity Box, if, like if anybody's interested, you can check it out at the thegravitybox.com. It, it lets you read like, I think some uh, sample couple pages or something see what you think i tried to write it in the kid's voice using his because he's the one telling of uh so you know that's basically it he's telling the story and uh how he and his friend are basically meet up with this old professor and uh he has this great invention that allows allows the um allows them to levitate and then also increase or decrease the gravity of any object around them. So they, they basically have all this power and they, they consider themselves the two most powerful kids in the universe. And uh, mm. that plays into it. But And then, uh, you know, because they have this, you know, if you get uh, something like this, it's this powerful. You have all like government and spies coming after them for it. So it's up to these two kids to basically save the day. Awesome. It's a true story. I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a wonderful, I am, it's a wonderful plot um, because a lot of our teenagers are often looked upon as being wayward. Not too often are most adults taking that perspective as or looking at them as heroes or potential, um, you know, to, you know, those that would be the ones to save us, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's refreshing that in your sci-fi novel you have them featured and their main characters and they're featured as, um, you know, doing something right, doing something positive, um, using their youth. And in a in a very proactive way, you know, as for even the um, fact being that our young people, they are inquisitive. Um, they're inquisitive about everything in the story, you know, and, and figuring out 
how to solve the problems or, you know, if something seems out of place or weird or, you know, it's just not the usual investigating, you know, finding out well, why are these people like the um, characters that are dressed in these hoods and dressed in all black, like, you know, why are they looking this way? You know, what's, um, but I just thought that you kind of played on that, you know, that aspect of being a young person and having, you know, all the, you're inexperienced, you're naive, you're innocent, but, you know, that shouldn't get in the way of you if you know something, it shouldn't get in the way of you um, expanding on that knowledge and finding out more and not being afraid. You know, all those good points that are made in the story. Um, as for the professor, who would you compare the professor to in real life, in your life? Was there a somebody that kind of influenced that character for you in your story? Somebody that you um, had experiences with in your lifetime? I don't, I don't really think so. I, I, I get that I may have, uh, there's a movie when I was a kid, I loved uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still. And they go to visit this oh, okay. professor in the lab. Uh, I know there's a newer version of it, but if you ever get a chance, the first the, the first one is incredible. It's a great movie. And I, I that's the only thing I can think of that might have influenced that, the professor. Um, because I, I, I just came up with it. So I, that's, the only, that's the only thing I can think of it right now. That might have, but I don't know if there was any other influence. Okay. <laughs> and um, what inspired you to create those guys in the crazy hoods dressed all in black? <laughs> well, I guess they're kind of uh, a ninja type thing. Because oh, these okay. Are, these yeah. are like really, really bad people. And it's up to these two, you know, young kids to, you know, to outsmart the, the super spies and everything and then basically save save the world at the end and um mm -hmm. that was that was um i just thought it was funny because like you know they're taking on spies and the government and everybody and they're, <laughs> they're beating them you know <laughs> yeah that i mean that twist is it, quite yeah, it it, it 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 makes the story. It really makes it. It sells the story. It makes it even that much more interesting because it's like the ones you least expect to be the ones to be the saviors are the ones who are the saviors. Usually, you expect them to be the ones that need the saving. You expect them to be the ones that are, if they're not creating the trouble, they're always getting into the trouble. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that twist is quite refreshing. And it adds um, to what is appealing about the story. It really does. Thank you so much. Really You're welcome. And um, as for the process of um, proofing and editing, did you have someone to do that? Did you go through um, the uh, process of having more than one person? Like, you know, how did your book go through that phase? 
I actually, I mean, whoever does editing for these books should get paid millions of dollars because <laughs> I tried to do it myself. I went through it like four or five times, and every time I got a proof back, I'd see something. I had to get another proof because, like, I, I missed something. You, you, you're looking at it like, mm -hmm. and the next book is like twice the size of this one. So I, I read it like mm. off the computer, and I said, I'm gonna wait till I get the proof because. Just like I'll probably miss a lot anyway, you know. But I had a, mm, okay. A friend, a couple friends read it. My cousin read it, and, uh, and a friend of mine read it, and, and she said that. Um, let's see, my cousin Craig Walker read it, and he offered some advice, and he helped a lot. And uh, my friend Joan Resnick, she read it, and. Um, she she was sending back notes. Wait, you know you need a you need a comma here. The quote shouldn't be here. Like I go, oh my god. Well, you write, so you probably know that you probably miss a lot every to, every time you look at it, you probably find something different, right? But maybe maybe not. Right. I mean, and and that does happen. Being someone who writes, I do have to confirm that. I've done rough drafts maybe four and five times. Um, it happens. And I think the more lengthy um, the body of the writing, it's to be expected. You know, it, there's going to be more things you may catch words, either a typo and or, you know, maybe something was omitted that should not have been or and inserted where it shouldn't have been inserted. You know, so that's the beauty. <laughs> I would say the beauty and the art of writing as well. You know, it's self-discovery and also you figure out or learn that um you know it's a work in progress. Even when it's finished, there's always that opportunity there's a missed opportunity and it's that opportunity you can always revise it, um, have a sequel to it, you know, do a part two or, um, you know, next time go around, maybe you'll have a team of three or two to actually do the proofing and editing. They do usually advise that you don't do it yourself because they say, um, you know, you're looking at it through the lens, through a more unilateral lens than someone else would. So, you know, you're kind of more self-absorbed than um, having another pair of eyes to do the proof reading for you. They'll catch things that you won't catch, you know, because sometimes we can be a little biased, you know, when it comes to our uh, style of writing or, you know, things that we think may fit that possibly shouldn't, we'll make it fit, you know, because that's the way we feel about it or, you know, we think. So we, it's always good to have another person um, to bounce off from to do the proofing and the reading aside from ourselves. And then we can do a final you know, we can be the person to final because it is originally our work. So, you know, for us to put the consent for it to move forward for publishing approval, you know. So, you know, what are your thoughts, Norm? 
Well, uh, somebody said to me one time, this is mostly concerning filmmaking, but I think it applies to writing too, is that like, like you know, I, I know like I, I did stuff 20 years ago. I said, well, I wish I should have done this and that. And somebody said, these things are never finished. They just reach different points mm-hmm. of abandonment. At some point, you guys say, I got to let it go. <laughs> I got to let it go. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you. Very helpful advice. Very helpful advice. Okay, um, <laughs> I spoke, yeah, I've, I've spoken with a person, a friend of mine, and they've been working on something now for several years. And it, I, I just get that feeling that it's just really hard for them to release it. I think that it's already finished. And like you said, the more you look at something, sometimes it makes it easier to find something wrong with it. You know, it's like it can happen where you, you're you content. And then if you keep staring and staring and staring and reviewing, reviewing, then you're going to find something that you say, oh, maybe I can change it. You know, it's like a painting where you want to put it on the wall and you put it over on the left side and then you look at the right side and then you say hmm let me change and put it on the right side it might look better then you look at a different room and you're like well that room needs something maybe i'll put it it's like you know you'll constantly keep moving it around or changing uh the arrangement so we do have to kind of sometime it takes someone collabing with us to bring that to our attention so we don't get stuck and um, just constantly renovating or changing and then never finishing something. Yeah. Well, like I said, that can be a trap. <laughs> I mean, I went through the book a bunch of times, and then I, you know, as Hector was approaching the, getting the cover ready for the second book, I said, well, let me, I just said, I start going over it and over it. And it's like, I mean, I know they're long, but it's like 427 pages, so it's a, it's a job, mm-hmm. and, and then I just, I don't want to get mental fatigue with it, that I get tired of it. I mean, it's, I think it's a really fun book, but, you know, that, uh, when you read right. it, or, oh, is there a comment here or that, and then it gets, like, it becomes a job. It's not, it's not the fun part of writing. I hear you. So... That's what we need to watch out for to the listening audience, those that are tuning in. Um, I hope that you're taking notes. Uh, Norman Machera is giving us a lot of good pointers, things that we need to take into consideration. And if we do so, we will be so happy or contented that we did so. So I do want to encourage everyone in that regard. So, Norm. also about the book, I think it's well uh, written. I think it's an adventure. It's it's not just your typical sci-fi um, novel. Um, I think that it is an adventure. I love that you take these two teenagers who are the main characters and you take take them on this amazing adventure and they in turn, as we're readers, we go on this adventure and it's 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 fun. It's not tedious reading. Like to read this, I found it refreshing. It was fun. 
Um, it wasn't too many words. Most of the wording, it was very descriptive and detailed. Thank so you. it helped for making the mental, you know, getting a mental picture of what I was reading. Yes. So you definitely reached the mark. <laughs> Thank you so much. As for yeah, doing that. And I'm sure anyone, um, I definitely want to encourage families to have this book, especially if they have young teenagers and even tweens, those that are like uh, 10, 11, and 12, because we know today they start reading um, certain novels, certain type of literature at an earlier age than we did. And they can kind of stomach it even earlier. You know, it's just a very advanced uh, time as for um, literacy, even with this generation, they're doing a lot faster, even with the math and the science and technology. So um, I did learn that the book, which was at one time just available in paperback on Amazon and Lulu.com, um, mm -hmm. that it's now available in ebook. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. And, and what? Sorry, what were you going to say? Um, I'm sorry. You can go ahead. I, I kind of didn't hear that you were um, oh, no, it's, not it's, finished. So. Oh, it's okay. It's ebook and, and, and uh, you know, uh, paper bound. I mean, softback. Oh, so okay. Yeah. Now, is is the book also available on um, Barnes and Noble? Yes. Online. Uh, I guess the best way to find it, if you have trouble, like you just go to thegravitybox.com and it takes you right to the site. Oh, okay. Thegravitybox.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, um, as we have been instructed to do, I'm going to reiterate that. All you need to do for the best navigational experience online is go to thegravitybox.com. I repeat, thegravitybox.com. And going there, um, Norm, we should be able to find all the information we need as for purchasing the book, correct? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Now, um, you did make mention about a sequel. To the, the gravity sequel. box. It's the sequel is the gravity box two. It's the uh, race to the end of the world and beyond. And uh, this is like this is even more exciting because it has to do with the kids going save the world again. They, say, you know, they, they have to go back in time, and uh, they don't they don't plan to go back so far, and they end up they kind of end up in medieval times, and because they just show up in the field, people. Oh wow. And they have to they have to um, escape, <laughs> get back to the future. I, I'm stealing that no. mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, to save the planet. So that's that book's done. Wow, supposed to have out pretty soon. And uh, Hector is allowing me because he's done concept art through for both both books. He's allowing me for the second book to use the concept art. So every 40 pages or so, you have a 
some nice, really beautiful artwork in there. Okay. Um, awesome. I think I'm really liking what I'm hearing as for what uh, book two is going to consist of and, and what it's about. I think that's an excellent way to bring closure to this to book one. Um, and I think that it's just a wonderful tale. I think it's something unique. Um, even though I'm having to go back in time and going back in time during the medieval times, where I think you said they were accused of being witches. <laughs> well, they just go up in fields, so everybody thinks like, whoa, they must have magical powers and they know <laughs> being you know yeah. taken to the dungeons and things like that. Right. So I think that's it. even an invention of a, in and of itself, but also where you have some of reality. I mean, that, you know, during those times, um, those that would be considered practitioners of magic or things like that, a lot of times they were under great persecution. And we know, of course, um, considering like the Selim witch um, trials and, and what was done to uh, many who were accused of being witches, you know, they suffered even unto death. <laughs> so. Um, that just adds that much more as for an another dimension to the tale and the story of, um, you know, you have this adventure, you have this, um, you know, suspense, right? Um, oh, yeah. And yeah, so I tell you, I think you're, um, this particular story, it has all of the qualities of being a, um, much coveted, um, like a best-selling children's novel, I guess you could say. Oh, but more than that, it can convert, right? It can convert into a um, television series. Um, maybe. Have you ever considered like maybe an actual um, book series where there's a collection of books well, that are that like a spawn of I have a third one planned out in my head. I haven't written that one yet. I've written about. Oh, okay. Here we go. Wow. <laughs> well, I'm excited. I'm excited. And I'm sure everyone is going to be excited that reads book one. They're going to be ready for two and looking forward to a third. And um, you're on to something with this. I tell you, you are Thank definitely you. on to something big with this. Thank you so yeah. much. Now, has sure has the book been entered in any con any uh, contest? Oh no, I just I just got it done, and then I started working on the second one because uh, I mean I didn't have to write the whole second one. I was again written before, but I I started modifying it and, and trying to get that ready. I just want to uh -huh. get them out. And then I think what's really important is uh, I just learned this. I was watching the TED talk. You really have to promote this stuff because, like, they were talking about self-help books. There's 195,000 uh -huh. on Amazon. So if you want people to know this, you have to promote it, which is, like, which is something I have to really learn how to do. <laughs> right. Now, um, that's where I guess our show's platform comes in. Like, you coming on different 
um podcast is a way of promoting the book and also um where you can acquire um actual live like if someone is doing interviews and they're doing them live whether it's going to be on youtube or facebook um that's a plus because now people are able to attach a face with the work um so I would say continue doing things like this. I think that's what's going to help push your book and promote it as well, because you're gaining exposure, but the literature itself is getting exposure because people are talking about it. The more people are talking about it, you know, it's going to travel. The word, the news is going to travel that way. Um, have you considered blogging, creating a blog where you just have um, the book? as your main digest? Yeah, I really have to start doing stuff like that. I, I'm just, I just, you know, it is, I just get so on, moving on to the next project, which is, which is fun, but at the same yeah. time, I'm like out there, you know? Oh, yeah. Really so you may want to look into, yeah, you may want to look into, um, finding a promoter, finding someone that, well, of course, just doing more interviews like this, being on different uh, podcasts will give you different audiences. You know, that's how you build your following even further. And if you can, have you considered a YouTube channel? I actually have a YouTube creating for, not for the book so much, but for uh, that's one thing we're, we're going to actually. Uh, my friends are going to help me create uh, Hector and uh, my other friend, Doug Johnson, who helped me create some ads for the book and we're going to try and put them out there. Oh, that's excellent. I didn't think about that. You're right. Um, cause I know like your community papers, you know, you have like, um, Southwest globe times, um, West, you have tribune. Um, and there's so many different ones. Um, getting an ad, in the in any of those papers would be the way to go because these papers you know they go out every week mm -hmm. um even the inquirer you know you got your the deli news the inquirer but getting an ad in any paper any paper that's circulating within the community is a plus you will definitely get noticed that way and also you, the free library. Um, have you ever done any book signings at a free library? No, I was, uh, you know, with the whole COVID thing, I was going to maybe, I was thinking about maybe just dropping a copy off at the one around the corner just to see if they were interested in keeping a copy in there, you know? Um, yeah, getting it in the library is a plus. And also you want to actually um, talk to whoever's in charge of the library, like the director, because they can schedule you to have a um, day and time where you can actually have a book signing in the library. Oh, I never knew And that. that's a way to promote Yeah, a lot of authors are doing that. I know they did it in the past, and now that the restrictions are lifted, you'll notice they'll be doing it again. But your free libraries, they usually have a room for things like that, a community room where you can host a book signing in that room. And um, that's a way of promoting your book. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I never, thought, I never even thought of that. Yeah. 
and I'm not sure what station, one of the new, there is a um, new, aside from radio, um, there is a news, one of the channels, I'm not sure if it's 10 or 6, where they actually bring authors on to talk about their books. And I think they're always looking for local authors. So that's another avenue where you can get promoted. Because, you know, once you're on TV, you're talking about books, people are going to remember you forever. And then when they see you in the streets, it's like, oh, that's the man. Remember his book? We were watching him. And, you know, they don't forget that. So that's another way to promote. So, you know, you just want to kind of ask questions. Um, you can even call like channel three, six or 10 and ask them about that. Like, okay. um, do you happen to have a um, hour or a minute, a um, couple of minutes on the show where you just bring authors on? Because I am a published author and I would be interested in sharing my book. Um, you know, who do I need to talk to? And, you know, take it from there. Yeah. Even your radio stations like DAS, um, Word, I'm sorry, Word. Um, is one in particular. I know they do bring uh, authors on Word Radio. And, um, you know, take it from there. A lot of your colleges, too, uh, their radio broadcasts, they tend to promote um, literacy, literary artists, artists. So being a writer, you know, they would have an open door to you and you would just schedule when you can come on. So, you know, those are other ways of promoting aside from you just going out and hustling, selling your book or, you know, another way is a consignment. You know, maybe it's a store that artists sold in and you can, you know, discuss with them. I have a sci-fi book. I'd like to do a consignment. Maybe if I can have five copies in your store and as they are sold, this percent will be yours and that percent will be mine. That's pretty much what a consignment is. Okay. Um, along with this, yeah, along with this being the summertime, you have authors that um, are going to outdoor events, um, whether Penn's Landing in the park, when they have something, and usually you would pay a small fee to have a table, and you can um, market your book that way too. So you just want to kind of, around, see what available opportunities exist and just kind of, um, you know, get your feet wet in sorts and see what works. Thank you very much, Sage. I'm going I'm to think about all that. Sure. Yeah, you're very welcome. And don't forget, a lot of people um, are on Facebook that are not on Instagram. Because a book is something that's marketable, you do want to kind of do maybe a very um, short video, talk about your book and promote your book, mm -hmm. and inform people how they can order a copy and just start loading it up on like YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. Yeah. What should I say? The I'm more outlets. The more you know? Say that again. We're going. We're making uh, two ads. Like one's actually what they call a book trailer. Um, that you. Uh, yeah. Like a, you know, basically a preview of the book, like a movie trailer. 
Mm-hmm. That's excellent because that's what can be broadcasted. Even um, um, I think it's media TV. I think media TV is one they do that. They tend to promote um, our local artists and entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. and mostly artists. But you can look it up. Um, Mind TV, I think it's called. I said media, um, not media. Mind, m i n d t v dot com. Um, look them up online. That is another outlet. Um, as for promoting. And they literally will give you airtime where you can discuss your book and advertise it. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. excited. Thank you. So I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad that we had you on. Number one, I'm always looking to promote our local artists and to introduce them and their works to our community. And it is a pleasure. I'm, I'm so honored that you. Um, accepted my invitation. I do look forward to us having another interview and maybe I say two months from now. We're in June now. So that would be August. That'd be nice. Thank you. And then we can right and then we can discuss your second book. That'd be wonderful. I really appreciate everything, Sage. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. So um, we'll do this again sometime August. At that time, we'll be discussing the second book. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you soon, all right? All right. And thank you again. It was a pleasure having you as a guest. It's a pleasure being on. And have a great night. You too, Norm. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes our interview. Um, again, it was an honor and a pleasure to have with us in the spotlight, Norman Machera discussing the gravity box. And we will not forget, this is a science fiction and adventure novel. And it's one that our youth would do well to read. We do want to market and promote it with our youth. Um, I want to just thank everyone for tuning in tonight. We're going to bring Norman Machera back on in August. We'll have him back on in August to further discuss the details of the book, the story, and of course it will be book two when he returns. He also made mention there's going to be a Book three. So we're of a series, ladies and gentlemen. We're learning of a series. And that's pretty good. All right. So um, tune in. We'll hear more and we'll get more acclimated as to um, what all this story has to offer us. Okay. Peace and blessings. We're going to take a music break at this time. And we're going to hear more music by Doreen Rhodes. And for those interested, if you're not in the chat room, you won't see the links on how you can purchase Doreen Rhodes music. But she is a vibrational sound technician who is certified as a vibrational sound technician. So she not only 
is a musician or musical artist, but she uses music to heal. And we need to keep that in mind. Music heals. Okay. All right. I'm going to play more of her music. This music you're listening to is from her CD entitled Nourishing the Soul. Okay. Nourishing the Soul. Um, just for the record, uh, you can find Doreen Rose Music online. Um, it's available on Apple, iTunes, uh, Amazon. You just type in her name, D-O-R-E-E-N. Rose is spelled R-H-O-D-E-S. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. And the music is available there. Enjoy. Again, this is from her LP or CD entitled, Nourishing the Soul. And the song that you're about to listen to, listen to, I'm not sure what the exact title of this one, but this is all instrumental. If you appreciate the artistry of Jimmy, you'll appreciate this. Also, Doreen is responsible for the musical arrangements, all done by her, and she is versatile in terms of her music. Thank you. 
interview hour. We were privileged to have Norman Machera. Yes, the author of The Gravity Box. The Gravity Box. And he shared with us there is a sequel to book one. There will be a book two. And he even gave us some insider information letting us know that there is going to be a book three. Wow. See, so if you were tuning in tonight, you are privy to some information and knowledge that has not been made public yet. How's that? So I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. Um, for tonight, usually we'd be starting what's called the free publishing tips hour at this time. And what I'm going to need to do is follow up with my co-host, Warriors Queen, to ensure whether or not She's going to come on to do that tonight. So in the meantime, we've been listening to Doreen Rhodes, music by Doreen Rhodes. Doreen Rhodes is also best known as the Serene Goddess. You heard me correct? Serene Goddess. (laughs) 
Yes, that feminine ending. Let me not forget that S. Um, you can book a private vibrational sound therapy session with her today. She is a certified vibrational sound therapist or technician. And the number to call if you want to book her for a private vibrational sound therapy session, the number to call is area code 610-957-8899. Come and allow Doreen Road Serene Sounds to bathe your body, mind, and spirit in the wonderful tones of the crystal singing bowls. Yes, the Tingsha bells, the drums, the gongs, and other modalities. They're all used for what? Healing. Did you not know that sound, vibrations, frequencies can heal or kill us? And when, of course, a healer is using the sounds, they're going to heal you from your soul to your mind, your emotions, to your heart and your will and to your body and your spirit. And that's called holistic wellness. Now, a little about vibrational sound therapy for those that don't know of it. Did you know that rhythm is all around us and in us? Vibrations and sounds are present in our lives and in the universe. While we are rarely conscious of it, sound is affecting us all the time, people. I can't say this enough. I can't. So again, book a private vibrational sound therapy session today with Doreen D. Rhodes. Here's the number to call, 610 610- 9578899610957888899 I want to encourage you if you have not already booked a private vibrational sound therapy listen do it now it is worthwhile this is something that you should do okay this is something that you should do I want to encourage you to do it and don't delay, don't neglect. A lot of times we neglect and we don't realize neglecting is a big mistake, okay? Big mistake, big mistake. So thank you everyone for your support. I'm going to play Doreen D. Rhodes um, also has music and this music it's truly divine or sublime. It will heal your mind, your soul, body, and spirit, ladies and gentlemen. So tune in. I'm going to be playing music from her CD and LP, which is entitled Nourishing the Soul. I repeat, Nourishing the Soul. Listen and be inspired. Listen. It's in you. This is a song to motivate and uplift. It's in you. It's in you. 
Thank you. 
gentlemen here's where since my co-host is unable to do her free publishing tips hour i'm going to share the call-in information one more just in case someone tuned in wants to call in if you have any questions you can either join us via www.talkshoe.com www.talkshoe.com via the internet and our internet server is TalkShoe.com. Once you arrive at TalkShoe.com's homepage, look for the search engine bar. Type in the Exceptional Scribble Show's ID number, which is a six-digit number, 133193. I repeat, 133193. After which you will navigate promptly to the homepage of the Exceptional Scribble Show on the TalkShoe.com internet server. Did you get it? I hope you did. I gave you specifics, and I know that you will, as I have done, uh, govern yourselves accordingly. Now, if you would like to call in, for those that are listening, if you would like to call in, you can join us tonight via... The call-in number, it is area code 867-292-3066. I repeat, 867-292-3066. If your phone service provider does not grant you coverage for out-of-town calls, then that means you will be charged one cent per minute out-of-state calls because our show's call-in number is, it's a number that's registered in Canada, meaning it's out of the state. So if your phone service provider does not provide you with coverage for out-of-the-state calls, you will be charged one cent per minute. That's why we always encourage you to join the show via the internet, www.talkshoe.com. However, some of us have phone service provider plans that do cover for out-of-the-state calls, meaning you also have coverage where you will not be charging the additional fees. And if that's you, then call in. 
Um, and keep in mind, our show's ID number is a six-digit number, 133193. 133193. We're going to take another music break, and then we'll come back. Here we go. Doreen Rose again. And remember, the music is entitled Nourishing the Soul. You and I both know. You and I both know. It's time for me to go. You've got to let me go. I can't take any more. So I've got to go. You say you trust me. Look how you find me. Yeah, you say you trust me. Just look at your face. Tears overflow with joy of my reality. You know you had to change. Just like me to stay. It's time for me to go. You got to let me go. I can't take any more. So I've got to go. You got a nerve not to trust me. But someone else is trusting you. She called your wife. She's blinded to your eyes. I gotta think about you to be cheap on her with me. No longer will I be spent back. Your eyes You 
and blessings yes yes welcome back you just heard music by indie independent artist Doreen Rose yes she is Philly's own yes she is a local talented musical artist and she spent a great deal of her life growing up here in the city of Philadelphia and she is from a family with a musical background. I believe her grandfather was a pretty famous jazz musician. So she always um, was privy or privileged to be surrounded with music and the awareness of how music impacts humans. We are moved, we are literally impacted by music, vibrations, frequencies, all sound-based. Um, they literally are the very fibers of our being. And so our heart has a beat, right? And we have a rhythm, we walk with a certain rhythm and people know us if they close their eyes, they can hear the rhythm of how we walk and they know that's us coming, even without seeing us. So we need to be more conscientious and aware of that fact and aware that vibration matters. And when it's high vibrations, we're talking about evoking that which is positive or good in us. And when it's low, it is the opposite. So here's what I'm gonna say. I don't know what your plans are for this evening, but I'm going to introduce you to the gravity box by way of doing something else that I like a lot aside from writing, reading from the book to you. Chapter one, Goners for Good. Guess I always knew that people could fly. Don't ask me how I knew. 
I just did. Maybe it was because I could fly in my dreams. Or maybe it was, like my dad would say, I had an overactive imagination. And as I was floating higher and higher toward the clouds, I was beginning to wish that I had been wrong and wanted to be stuck back on the ground with everybody else. There was another thing. I began to feel really sorry for stealing the gravity box. Actually, I hadn't started out to steal it. I was just like being taken for a long joy ride. It was just like being taken for a long joy ride. I mean, I've already been given permission to take it, only not for such a long time. There was only one problem with it, only not for such a long time. There was only one problem with that. I didn't know how to turn the darn thing off. So along with wishing that I had never learned to fly, I was sorry I'd been so selfish. So there I was climbing closer to the stars. And if my memory of science class was right, I would be running out of air very soon. It was already getting very old or cold up way up there. Don't have to tell you I was scared. Who wouldn't be? And all that stuff they tell you about your life flashing in front of you? Not true. All I could see before me was a big white cloud that I was about to pass through and the ground seeming like a million miles away. Guess you call it a gravity machine, though it was more like a box. It didn't have any clinking parts or wheels, nothing that moved. So I didn't think it was a machine at all. What it was, was a black box with a hole in the front covered with glass. Even so, I still couldn't see what was inside or what made it tick when the sides were two bars sticking out, a lot like handlebars on a motorcycle. Guess I should have let go of the handles a thousand feet before, but it was too late to think of that way up in the sky. Strange thing was that once you grabbed hold of those handles, it was like you were doing the flying yourself, not just being pulled up in the air by the box. Passing through the cloud was really like passing through nothing at all. It didn't seem to have nothing to it. It just seemed to be a reminder of how high I had gone and what a mess I had gotten myself into. The stars shine brighter than I had ever seen them before. They glimmered brighter and brighter as I seemed to be drifting dangerously close to them. I knew that I would burn up way before I actually got to a star. I'd probably get fried by the closest star along the way. That would be the sun. <laughs> Not that that should be any worry of mine. The air would run out years before they could. that could ever happen. That didn't make me feel any better about all of this. Another thing bothering me. Once my air ran out, I'd probably let go of the box and fall back to earth. So I was running scared from a lot of different directions with nowhere really to run to. Like I said, I was scared out of my mind. Think that was the problem? I had gotten so darn scared. I forgot everything the professor had taught us about the gravity box. Then a funny thing happened. I began to forget all about my problems. 
Maybe it was the air getting thin or who was what or who knows what. But for whatever reason, I began to think about my mom and dad and even my little sister, who most of the time I can't stand. Yet there, they were inside my head like a moving picture with them all watching television and snacking on popcorn and soda pop. Can't remember what we were watching, but whatever it was, I was real happy to be there with them. From there, everything went blank. Like a big black cloud had covered up the movie screen inside my head. Guess that was the air disappearing around me. When the big black cloud was gone, I was in Professor Bunkard's laboratory with him waving a hanky over my head. When he saw my eyes fluttering, he started right in on me. You bad, bad boy. You could have been killed. Could have died. My heart could have stopped. I could tell just by looking at him that he was a nervous wreck. Standing with him was Jimmy. He was the smart one. My friend, I mean, he had gotten me through most of my math and science classes. Could tell from the look on his face that he was mad at me too. That was stupid, man. Jimmy yelled at me and he was right. I'm just pausing for a moment. <laughs> Trying to get up, I found myself feeling heavy, like there was a ton of metal filling the inside of my arms and chest. Lay down, said the professor. Don't try and get up yet. My body didn't want to move any way. So I knew that he was right. But that was no problem. Stupid, man. Really stupid. I knew that Jimmy was going to be harping on me all night long. We better get back home before we get in more trouble, he warned me. I tried to get up again, and this time it was easier. Not real easy, though. How'd I get back? I asked kind of curious, like. You are a bad, bad boy, the professor started in again. When he saw me take a deep breath and hold it, he stopped. He could tell that my head was aching and that there would be plenty of time to holler at me later. Okay, go home, he said. And don't come back unless you are going to be a good boy. I'll take care of him. Jimmy told the professor like he was taking care of a little kid or something. Then he helped me off of the laboratory table and onto the floor. My legs felt a little wobbly, but I could walk all right. When I got to the door, I was beginning to feel like a real jerk. So I turned back and gave the professor, sorry, it was really dumb. He just waved me off and went back to his work. But Jimmy slammed right into me with the, it wasn't just dumb, that was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Stepping outside, I said, cut me a break, will ya? It was dumb, I knew that. But a kid had to defend himself, especially from the truth, that he had been a big idiot. And then Jimmy got quiet, it was night. And since the lab was in the middle of the woods, practically, it was as dark as anything out there. There weren't any other houses for at least a mile. And with only the moon in the sky, there wasn't much light to go by.
we both knew the way pretty well. So there wasn't much problem there. How'd I get down? I tried again, asking Jimmy. Look, Sean, he said. His voice still sounded a bit angry. I wasn't too happy about tonight. I'm not really that good with the gravity machine yet. You mean you did it? He didn't answer. He just dropped his head and continued to walk. Thanks, man. I said it, and I mean it. Jimmy was a good friend. Maybe better than I deserved. But I wasn't going <coughs> to go that far and tell him that. A few more steps, then he stopped and turned to me again. When he spoke to me this time, his voice wasn't mad anymore. It was sort of sincere-like. You know, I'm glad I did it. This time, I didn't answer. But, and that but meant that he was going to talk to me like he was my dad or something. And I hated when he did that. Nobody's supposed to know. Okay, one more time. <laughs> I hate when he did that. Nobody's supposed to know about the gravity machine yet. You know it's a big secret. <clears throat> and if somebody had seen you, all right, I know, I know it won't happen again, okay, he said, and we started to go on once more. We didn't get much further when Jimmy stopped me. Suddenly, like, with a quick grab at my arm, what are you trying to he put his finger to his lips. He had almost scared me after death. What's wrong? He came again. And this time he put his hand over my mouth to make sure I'd listen. At that instant, we both stood there, quiet, in the dark, waiting for. What? I didn't know. For a moment, it seemed like there was nobody else in the world. And then I heard it, a cracking sound. <laughs> like somebody stepping over falling twigs. What's that? I asked, only this time I whispered. What's that? I don't know, Jimmy whispered back. Maybe a deer or something. Maybe. Just stay still for a minute. And we did. We listened for the longest time. 
for a while there was nothing. And then more crunching sounds. A lot more. Whatever it was had to be big. I thought and seemed to be moving our way. It's coming. This. There was another from Jimmy. He then pushed me behind a huge tree to wait for whatever. There was another. I don't like this. I whispered, but Jimmy didn't answer. He just kept peeking from behind the tree. As the noise grew louder, I felt like I wanted to run, but Jimmy stayed there. So I did too. Look, the guy had just saved my life about an hour before, so I couldn't leave him which seemed like it would be the smart thing to do. Then it came, or should I say they came, four of what looked to be shadow creatures, all dark, all man-sized, and all very, very scary. I guess. I didn't want to. It just came out. Then I saw Jimmy's head turn. I couldn't see the look on his face, but I could only guess that it wasn't smiling. Funny that when the shadow creatures reached the road coming close to the house, all of their footsteps stopped making noise. We watched a little longer. Soon they were at the side of the professor's lab. The lab was part of the house which the old man lived in and was on the ground floor. Suddenly, we knew that the shadow creatures were as one glided gl glided in front of the light that was coming out of the windows. We could see that they were really men, just plain ordinary men dressed in all black track suits with hoods over their heads. Somehow that didn't make me any less scared. Jimmy whispered, let's get closer. What? I couldn't believe it. He had actually said that. Let's see what they're up to. Are you nuts? Maybe I was the smart one after all. You don't want anything to happen to the professor, do you? Well, I was trying to think of an answer because I didn't want anything to happen to me either. There wasn't any chance to think about it because Jimmy gave me a let's go and a tug on my shoulder and we were on our way down to see what the men in the dark clothes were up to. All that ran through my mind as we got closer to the house and to the men was what good is a 12-year-old coward going to be against four big men? You see, Jimmy never thought about things like that, but Sean Malloy's mother didn't raise no fool. Okay, maybe that trip the clouds wasn't the biggest or brightest thing in the world, but I hardly ever got that stupid twice in one night. Slowly we moved toward the house and the dark strangers that were spying through the window of the old professor's laboratory 
Each step taken sent the sound of snapping twigs to my ears and shivers down my spine. How did those men become so quiet as they neared the lab? All at once, Jimmy put a palm in my chest, stopping me right in my tracks. Close enough, he said in a low voice. I wasn't complaining. Now we just stood and watched. What were we watching? I wasn't exactly sure. Two men stayed low, duck walking just under the window. The other two seemed to be doing something to the telephone wires that went into the house. One of the men by the window removed what looked like a small box from underneath his shirt. Carefully, he stood up and sneaked a peek inside the lab. He waited for just about a minute and then he raised the box to the level of the window, thinking it must have been a camera, because I thought I heard a clicking sound, and then he ducked down again. Right after that, the other two men came back to the side of the window without saying a word. The one man, guess he was the boss, motioned to the others, and they were all moving away from the house again without making a sound and headed right back in our direction. That wasn't good. Jeez, I felt my stomach get all tight. Jimmy didn't say anything. He just pushed me behind another tree. For a moment, the men stopped as if they had heard something. All I could hear was my heart pounding inside my chest. Boom, 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 boom. Like it was going to explode. And I was actually afraid that they were going to hear it Something like a herd of wild buffalo, boom, stampeding. Then they moved on. Maybe they thought what they heard was a deer or something. The men passed only inches away from us. I don't think I ever held my breath that long before. Then they were gone. What the heck was all that? Jimmy told me, and we listened from far away. You could hear the motor of a car engine, and then the sound faded. We better tell the professor, I said to Jimmy. No, he said. Why not? I really didn't understand why we wouldn't be racing off to tell the professor what had just happened. Because those guys just bugged the professor's place. Or at least I think that's what they did. We tell the professor they'll know, I think. What? Then they'll know we know. Tomorrow, he said, we'll think of something tomorrow. We were going home, and I was never going to be so happy to see anything in my life. Just pausing for a moment. <clears throat> Even though we were going to be in big trouble when we got there, but that's another story. So how do you like it so far? 
I just completed chapter one of the gravity box. And of course, the genre of this literature is science fiction and it's an adventure novel. And this is written by Norman Machera. Norman Machera. And I hope that you enjoyed what you heard. I know I enjoyed reading it. Books like this, I always give two thumbs up. So again, you can go on lulu.com or amazon.com. I would encourage you to go to Amazon in particular because you can also do a review and you can also give ratings. And that will be reviewed by people all around the world. Also, Norman Manchera did mention tonight during the exclusive interview hour when I had the distinguished pleasure of interviewing him on the panel of the Exceptional Scribble Show. He shared with us that there is a book too. Yes, so you must read book one, ladies and gentlemen. Get it, get it, get it right now because book two will be available soon. Book one is available in both paperback format as well as ebook format. Please place your order now. Don't neglect to do it. This book is a treasure. It is a unique tale, and I promise you this, you will not be bored reading it, nor will your children. This is a good book to have your child to read as a good summer reading book, ladies and gentlemen. It's really worth it, okay? So that was chapter one tonight, and we will have excerpts from this book read to you at, a, at another time, but I just wanted to give you a sneak peek as for what the first chapter has in store for you, because let me tell you, after reading chapter one, you'll want to read the next one and the next one and the next one. That's the kind of writing that Norman does, ladies and gentlemen. Peace and blessings. Again, uh, Warrior is Queen will not be joining us tonight. We are ending the show a half hour earlier than usual. Um, it is now 1025. And what we're going to do, I do have a candle lit. If you can do the same, light your candle right now. We're going to say some positive affirmations. As you see the flame dancing, or from for some, the flame is standing still. It depends on the environment. Where I'm at, there is a breeze. So the flame on the candle is dancing. But we're going to say some positive affirmations. We're going to go for five. Let's stay alive and go for five. Positive affirmation one, I am complete. Repeat that. You have your candle lit. As you say it, you're going to say it in a succession of three times. I want you to look at the flame, look at the candle, and focus. Remember, light shines. It gives brightness to all in the room. Light shines, it gives brightness to all in the room. And we're going to say our positive affirmations as a candle is lit. Okay. This is the illumination blessing meditation. Okay. The illumination blessing meditation. So 
your first positive affirmation to say three times, I am complete. And you can look at the candle as you're saying it. I am complete. I am complete. For some, especially if you're dealing with esteem issues, you need to have a mirror in front of you. You can still have your candle lit and place somewhere safe um, where it won't tilt over. And you can look in the mirror and say, I am complete. And look in your eyes. Your eyes are the windows of your soul because you need your soul edified as well as your spirit. I am complete. I am complete. And what you're doing is you are affirming what is the truth. Okay? Holistic. You're a holistic being, mind, body, soul, and spirit. You are complete. Now, the next positive affirmation, we're up to number two. I am renewed. My spirit is renewed. My mind is renewed. Very good. You're going to say that three times. I am renewed. You can look at that candle or look in the mirror. Into your eyes. Your eyes are the windows of your soul. My spirit is renewed. My mind is renewed. And now for the third time. I am renewed. My spirit is renewed. My mind is renewed. Now we're going for the third positive affirmation. I am stronger than before. I am stronger than before. I am stronger than before. Remember that flame, fire representing refinement. So as you're looking into that flame, it's like the purification process. You are affirming, which is going on within you. Okay? Next. Positive affirmation number four. I am healed. Mind, body, soul, spirit, will, and emotions. I am healed. Mind, body, soul, spirit, will, and emotions. I am healed. Mind, body, soul, spirit, will, and emotions. Now that was the fourth positive affirmation. Now for the fifth one. I am blessed. Holistic wellness is my status. Again, I am blessed. Holistic wellness is my status. And last, I am blessed. Holistic wellness is my status. Peace and blessings to all. Did you feel that? I know you had to have felt it. I felt that. A surge of energy. Yes, a surge flowing through you. Now I want you to just kind of meditate on all of what you did affirm. Each positive affirmation fulfilled in you a need far greater than what you even were aware of.
Now, you'll find you're able to stretch a lot further than you could before. A lot of things that were seemingly impossible, you're going to find that you are gravitating to finishing or fulfilling them. The things that you said no to because you just didn't have the courage, now you're going to find that you are saying yes to those things because you know that you can and you should. Listen, positive affirmations give us more encouragement to do the things that we should and to finish the things which we need to complete. So I want to say to you, because you were not afraid, you have just marked yourself as not just the present leader, but the future leader. We lead by example. When we have the strength, To face those things that we once were not encouraged to face or those things that we never believed we could do and we're able to complete those things, we're ready for the next phase in our lives. Never doubt. Always think, I know there's a way and I'm going to figure out where the open door is, and I'm going to walk through it. So you have to create the climate. The climate doesn't just manifest. We literally make the climate happen for us. And it's all pending. What are we saying and doing? What are we saying? What are we affirming? What truth are we asserting what are we declaring as the truth and it takes us acknowledging where we are in the process of being who we should be where are we and when we say we want to win and we make it up in our minds to win. There is nobody or no thing that can stop us. We can do it. We are capable. We are able. We have to determine in our hearts and minds, this is what we want. And I do hope that you gained what you needed to tonight. I know that I have. It was an honor, a distinct pleasure to host. And to have as a special guest in the spotlight, the great Norman Matshara. And we look forward to having him back in August. We're going to discuss book two and his other projects, most of which are film. Um, and I do want to encourage everyone to purchase, one more time, purchase his book, The Gravity Box. It is available in both paperback and ebook format. Peace and blessings. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.